Hello, and welcome to the Cash News Podcast, informative conversations about all things currency and cash. We'll share insights on the issues affecting the world of cash today, like cash security, payments technology, and the cash supply chain. Your hosts, Tom Meehan and Sean Ferrari, hope to inform industry professionals and support better cash security and management by sharing the latest information on trends, strategies, and technology. This is the Cash News Podcast. Now, here's Tom and Sean. Welcome to another episode of the Cash News Podcast. I think we're episode 22. Could be, I could be wrong, but I think that's definitely the episode. Behind me, before I turn over to Sean, you see us both. Uh, kind of excited that we're we're going to be live in just uh, wow what is it just a few weeks yeah. at Currency Research so we've got all of our our banners ready and and um, I know Sean's going to talk a little about that but uh, as always my my co-host and friend Sean Ferrari what's going on Sean uh, well you mentioned it it's really at the moment uh, a lot of prep for the upcoming banknote and currency conference uh, in a mere few weeks now February twenty one to twenty four uh, in DC so. That's really all consuming at the moment as we're up over 500 delegates. So we're excited about that from all over the world coming in and the COVID numbers are trending down in DC pretty significantly. So uh, things are looking looking good. Uh, so we're excited about it. We're, we're pulling it together. And right now it's just the fun time of speaker juggling and topic juggling and making sure everybody can come and get into the country okay, all that fun stuff. So. So that's what's going on right now, in addition to everything going on in the, the world of, of cash and payments, which we're going to chat a little bit about today. But I am thrilled that I just get to hang out behind you in your, your office all day, just kind of sitting there. <laughs> if people want to, you know, we can, we can put those yeah. banners up for sale. If anybody wants a banner like that, feel free to let us know. And we, can, yeah. we, we too can be in your office um, yes, 24 yes. hours a day. Yeah, and so I'm in my office today, which I haven't been in my office in a, in a while. And I, it's actually exciting to come back. And I can't use, I'm going to show everybody who, for the folks, the, for the folks that actually watch this, I can't use our, our cash news background that I always use because that it, I, then we're yes. there. So this is, this is the view of the background, which is a pretty cool view, I guess. but it, it throws it all off. So the virtual background doesn't play nice, but the banner looks great. And I would be remiss to say we, we have a lot of fun when we're together. Our guests really have a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. And we're going to actually, we're going to do, I think we're not fully sure of if it's four or three days, but we're going to do, we're going to do some live stuff there. We know we'll get participation. We're really excited to see everybody there. I uh, jokingly said, I've got a couple of these banners, so they might just pop up anywhere. So uh, if you're in DC, you might see us, uh, even if you don't mean to intend to. And if you are in DC and you live in DC, you're going to be in DC and you're not already registered for this conference, you should be, especially if you're listening to this podcast. Especially if you're listening to the podcast. You should if you're listening be. to this podcast <laughs> and you're not going to be there, then um, you're probably going to miss out because all of the things we talk about related to cash, currency, and payments are going to happen in, in real time. Uh, we'll have you know 500 or more people there, and it's going to be really exciting. I'm super excited to be there just with Sean, but then also I'm going to uh, get some time up there to talk on the stage about cybersecurity trends and strategies. Um, that's super, super exciting to get out there. And the, the world of cybersecurity is wild right now, so it'll be fun. But I want to talk about a, a couple of things that popped up in the last few weeks. One was a study that was done in the UK. And I know that our listener base, because we can see our listener base, there are some international listeners. If you're a podcast person, you probably know that 
we are available on any platform, which makes it actually pretty tough for us to tell where people are listening from because some platforms are really good to, to share and others aren't. But we do know we have some international folks. But I thought the study was it was interesting, even though it was out of the, the UK. There was some Canadian information is there as well. And there was some US, but it was very highly focused on Europe. But the US information that I thought was interesting is that 92% of payments that could be done contactlessly were done. And, and what, what they, I, I went through and dug in to see how this is written. So the basic premise is if the merchant accepted contactless payment, Apple Pay, any of the contactless Venmo. So this is QR or tap. This is where it gets interesting. So it's a little bit subjective that nine out of 10 people opted to that when it was an option. Now, the study doesn't talk about it, 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 and it wouldn't be able to, right? What it means when there wasn't payments, doesn't really, this isn't versus cash. This was really traditional credit card versus that. So there really wasn't a lot of data on it. But it's also important to note that and this is an interesting number that um, it only went up about 10%. So the, the, the behavior didn't change as much, but what did change is the penetration of merchants actually accepting a contactless payment. And in Europe, a lot more data, right? Because Europe has been further along in this, in this pace. Then that place, they can actually say that in 90% of the credit card transactions in, in the UK were contactless. That's a big number. I also think there's some subjectivity in here because when you look at the sample size of where it is, but we are constantly talking about consumer trends. The interesting thing here is uh, Javelin Research, and not a lot of folks probably are listening have heard of Javelin Research. If you're in the fraud and risk space, you may have. Uh, they're an independent research company, and I actually worked on a study many years ago, might have been 10 years ago with them on fraud and consumer payments. So it was a LexisNexis study. Uh, that I was involved in. So I try to follow Javelin just because, you know, I, I thought the study was really good. I mean, no bias at all. When Javelin writes a study, they write a study. Like, they're, you know, uh, so sometimes I think these studies are funded by groups and it works in their favor and other times it doesn't. But interestingly enough, this study was on cash usage and payment of choice. And that makes this, I think, a little different than some of the other ones is that they actually went out and got a sample size of consumers. They didn't take retail data and they didn't take consume, you know, trends out of, they actually went out and spoke to people. And in the populace that they spoke to, overwhelmingly, you know, the folks they're speaking to, when available for smaller denomination purchases, cash was the preferred method. And this is the interesting part here is they actually went and spoke to people and some of the, the things that were said, and Sean and I, I, I don't want to speak for Sean, but I'm pretty neutral and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I'm pretty neutral. And when people start getting into privacy, what's real and what's not, I, I believe my personal and professional opinion in, in the risk space is we as Americans have given up a lot of our privacy to get offerings using social media and things. So anytime privacy comes into play, I think it, it's an interesting one. But then 66% of the people they spoke to put chose cash because it was financially secure and they felt that it had a privacy element that credit cards didn't. And this is the interesting part. People generally are starting to change the tides of, man, you know, sometimes I don't want the phone call or the email about something. I really just want to buy my, my item and move out. So 66% of the folks in this opted for privacy and financial security, and they talked about it. The other thing uh, was 63% of the people saying allowing people to pay in cash is important to society. Some people need to pay in cash, and it, it's important. So 
interestingly enough, and just because I know Javelin, I know that these aren't prompted. I know that the way their, their studies work. So it's very interesting to hear that people recognize the societal need of cash, especially in smaller domination. Cash is safer to use than any other form of payment. I think we all talk about that every time. You know, while I think certainly credit cards and, and contest payment are safe, that note in your hand is by far the safest, right? You know, it's there. You're not, you know, the, yes, you could lose it, but other than losing it, there's not a lot of risk for you there. And then it's important to today, even with what's going on today, it's more important today than ever. 54% of people said it's more important today than ever because back to our top, it's secure, it's tangible. So we talked about COVID and some of the consumer trends we saw, but then we also know that more money came out of the banks. People were holding on to it and more money were in the pocket and the wallet. And then this is the one that I often say, and remember, I'm a technologist. My whole entire career, all 25 years of it is based on technology. So even though I, I, my full-time job, 50% of what I do is protecting cash, uh, I'm still a technologist. That's what my life bread is. And here's the thing that I always go back to. Cash is by far the easiest way to make a payment and reconcile the payment, right? You don't have to worry about a bill coming. You don't have to worry about an auto payment. When you hand that dollar over, the transaction is done. You get the goods and it moves. So I know, Sean, you and I talk about this, but I definitely wanted to kind of just have open conversation about it. So many of those are good points. I'm going to go back to the where you started probably with the, the UK piece a little bit and, and what's going on there. I think we work a lot with a, a gentleman named David Hensley, and he was part of the, he really authored the the access to cash work that's done out of the UK and the the whole onset of tap and go um, in the UK really changed the the landscape of of cash cash use and and payments as you say not ninety percent whatever that study showed ninety percent of of credit card payments or whatever were were tap and go at, at this point in the UK I don't know what a similar number would be in the US but my guess would be around ten percent. That's just Sean speaking. I have no data on that. But a very small amount, I think, in the US compared to what's going on in the UK is tap and go. Many people still don't even know you can tap and go in, in the US. Like, I'll be at stores and I'll be like, can I just, and they'll be like, what are you doing? Just slide it or put it in. And like, I don't think I have to, and it'll work. And the, the people at the store will be like, oh my God, that's so neat. I'm like, okay, cool. But that's not the case in the UK. It was a, a definitive push to go to tap and go. And what they saw was cash use in particular plummeted because the UK, and this is where I was talking with a lot of folks around the world and they were like, well, when tap and go takes off in the US, get ready, it's going to get rid of cash. And what's overlooked in that statement is the denominator of where cash use is to start. So the UK had something along the lines of like 70% of transactions were still being done in cash. A couple of years ago, it was a, a very high percentage of cash use. And then tap and go got pushed. And yes, it ate into cash use big time. And it dropped down into, I forget what the numbers are, but it's 20 or 30% or something like that. So it was a huge decline in cash use over a very short period of time with tap and go that came in. And that created some some big problems for the UK. And there's task force set up with the central bank and the government and the, the post office who delivers a lot of cash in the UK and the, the commercial banks and the armored carriers, the whole cash ecosystem to basically say, how do we ensure the acceptance of cash? Because there's people throughout this country that rely on it. So it gets back to the point of, to your survey that Javelin did, you know, it's important for society to have cash accepted. And the UK found that. 
And one of the statements that David Hensley always uses, talk about it in the report highlights, is don't sleepwalk into a cashless society, right? We've said that before here, but that's where it came from. That's where that saying that I like to quote a lot has has come from, because that's what sort of happened. Tap and go came in, cash disappeared, and, the, and society wasn't ready for it. Um, so we're trying to use that case study of what happened in, in the UK to, to go around to other countries and talk about it at these conferences and events. And we will have a panel on this with David Hensley on it, Access to Cash. It's going to be a really good panel during, during the event in, in D.C. to show how different central banks and different countries are thinking about this. Um, because in the U.S., Tap and Go didn't have this experience. One, it didn't roll out nearly as powerfully as it did in the U.K. And secondly, we're already at a relatively low percentage of cash use. So the UK is coming from 70% and then coming down. We're already at like 20, 30%, right? So that's where the UK like plummeted to. <laughs> we're already there. And the economy's kind of in the, the cash ecosystem's kind of built for that already. So it's kind of rather than tap and go taking a whole lot of cash use, it's more just, again, another way that the same people that were already paying with credit cards or their iPhone or whatever, those are the same people that are using tap and go. Um, so it's not really affecting cash use all that much here. So it's just very different. Anyway, that was a whole, a whole lot on that. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think it's a great point. And I think it's also important that in that study that was the, the not the US that talked about it is they made a very clear distinction that they out of the retailers that had the ability to contact us pay in the US, they seen the increase. Um, I also would say that, in, and you hit it now, the nail on the head, I think I still, very much, it's funny, we didn't rehearse this, we don't rehearse it, because you can't tell. <laughs> I actually have experienced multiple times where I'll tap the card like, oh no, we don't do that here, and then it works, and they're like, oh my goodness, it's more just me and I'm trying to be quicker, right? Like for me, you know, I. I worked in retail for many, many years, and in many of those years, 22 years, 13 of them, 14 of them, I worked in an upscale retailer where I will tell you that I got used to the, the full service environment. And now I'm like, when I go to a store, I want to be in and out. I don't want to mess around between work, travel, and all the things going on, that that payment, if I can increase that transaction. And I seem to carry, and this is a real actually phenomenon for me, I actually carry more cash now than I did before. And I think it's because a lot of the banks closed. And although I don't use a lot of cash, I found myself not wanting to drive an extra 10 minutes. And I actually took more money out. Like I have money in my pocket now. And it just this occurred to me. This is live breaking news here. It just occurred to me that, that <sighs> I actually carry more money and it goes with the diary study. And I think, I actually think it's because you know, for a while the branches closed and now I've changed my behavior. Those branches are back open. It's, at, I actually can look at my text messages and when my wife is going to the bank going, oh, go ahead and take an extra hundred out. So we have it. That would have never happened pre-COVID. It's just now that's my behavior. Now what we spend it on, who knows? Like, I'm not sure that we actually, I think the kids get the money, but, but that's, that's a different story. The other thing that was really interesting in the Javelin study, which, and it's not speaking out of both sides of the mouth. It's, the unbanked population that they interviewed. Now they don't say where and how much. They just said one of. They talk about this, and I I read a couple articles about the study too. So in fairness, I read the study, found a whole bunch of different things about it. They talk about unbanked Americans actually, you know, expressing the need for easier ways to use digital payment for them, and they are very easy today. We 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 talk about this that most of, most if not all of 
the digital payments, and I, I want to be clear on this because I crypto and digital payment, they all mean different things. And I think they often get lumped together, which creates that confusion. Like when you're talking about tap and pay, that's one form of contactless, right? Like we know that. So there's arguments, and I'm not sure where I sit on that Apple Pay is not tap and pay. I'm like, oh, but no, tap and pay with a card is different than tap and pay with a mobile device. And there, there probably is. So you know, you do have that piece. But what, what I found interesting is that it said that 29% of unbanked Americans said they found the need to figure out ways to create a digital wallet. And they were able to do that. And I can't speculate, but I know just based on reading it, in some cases, Starbucks, there's a lot of companies that allow you to load cash mm. onto their app. So because it doesn't say this, it does say 29% of the unbanked folks they talked to during the last 18 to 24 months found the need to have a digital form of payment. And then it goes on to further say that the importance of expanding the digital payment landscape for people that want to use cash, meaning that you and I, what you and I always talk about, Sean, if you take cash and put it into your Venmo from your bank, it's not cash, right? We know that. But if you take cash and put it into an ATM to convert it to something, or if you go to Starbucks and give them a $100 bill to use their app, uh, you're still using cash. Like, okay, like you're just converting that cash into their digital payment. So that I thought that was an interesting side note. And the truth is, I think that again, the definition of contactless payment, when you peel back the onion, you know, are people, uh, you know, are they taking those app based that are loaded with cash and calling that digital payment when they're doing these studies? I would argue all day long that that's not the same as a credit card. It's not the same as a debit card. It's you're physically taking dollars and using it as a single merchant, you know. So that's a very interesting thing. Yeah, and that's the and that's the only place that I can think of. I've only thought of this in the the few minutes that you've been speaking, but I'm trying to think if you're unbanked to have a digital payment. The only ones I can think of are the cases that you're talking about, where it's like a closed system well, for I, a so for I, a retailer. I, I I think there's a lot of and 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 maybe this is a great conversation because maybe I'm miscalculating. So green dot, all of these prepaid debit cards where you have to load cash onto them. I think that's what the study was. But don't saying. you need to, do you need to be, I guess you don't need to be banked. It's, no, it's, no, not, yeah, it's not your bank account. It's not your yeah, debit you, card. Yeah, you can actually, just a, yeah. I, I don't know green dots, the best example, but I know that yeah. um, I don't, there's a term for it and shame on me. And I know this and uh, there's a term for it. And it started with like the concept of give your kids a credit card without giving them a credit card. And right. it was like a prepaid debit card, but there are a couple places where you it's can green, actually load. green light or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I can't it, remember the, yeah. So that is still, now I'm sure. Tied, uh, I, I, a I should, lot of them are tied to a bank account though. Somewhere yeah, the, along yeah the a lot of them were because of, because of the piece of this. But one of the things I know, and I, I read this in another study is the prepaid credit cards. People were buying those in cash yeah, okay. so that they could use yeah. Yeah, online yeah. merchants and things like that. So I, Full disclosure, Sean and I I'll always say this, I don't know who they talk to. So the way I read it was things like, I can't buy this without a credit card. So now I need to go to CVS and buy a prepaid card with a $100 bill and things like right. that. That's kind of the, the ecosystem of when, and I'll tie this a little to crypto, when people confuse central banks with saying they're going to come up with a digital currency. No, no, a centralized digital currency is the complete opposite of a cryptocurrency. It's allowing people to use a fiat currency in a different way when, when a bank is backing it. So I think that if you're on bank, that's that gray area of like, I have to go 
and buy this pre-partied card or load it on something else to do it. So I do know that with PayPal and Venmo, they were exploring ways to allow people to load cash directly on it. Now, that's that quasi-banking, right? Because they have to report their, their financial institutions, but it's a very valid point. And the numbers are all over the place. I know that Arizona, I think, for the longest time was the most unbanked in the U.S. state. People would go, oh, it's just one state that has that percentage. But it, that's, you know, as someone who did a lot of research in the past and a lot of things, you have to get people to tell you they're unbanked to figure it out. So like, it's not as easy. It's not as easy because the, the general assumption is if you are not a citizen, you generally don't raise your hand and go, look at me. You don't know what the undefined number is. And so all of the unbanked numbers, the, the struggle is they use census data. They use all this data that is flawed because there is a percentage of that population that's missing. So I firmly believe that if we ever could peel the onion back, we would see that the unbanked population is larger than we think. Yeah. Well, um, and then and then there's that's like the extreme. The unbanked yeah. has this percent. And then there's those that fully banked use electronic bank funded, you know, that just are all into the bank system. But then there's all ranges in the middle. And when you start throwing in the spectrum of those that are banked, but prefer not to transact via credit card and all that yes. sort of stuff and your cash. Now you're like way up the percentages, right? Yes, I mean, you're, you're, you're already at the, the unbanked is a significant percentage. And then you throw in, okay, yeah, I'm banked, but I don't want to use my debit card and the bank provided funding yep. credit cards. I still want to use cash. Now you're like from that 30% unbanked plus a huge percentage before you get far enough down the spectrum where you're not using cash. That's a huge part too, but there's, so it's where in that like, you know, range yeah. are you, but you're, yeah, and, mean, you, yeah. and you're right on the, the CBDC stuff, the central bank digital currency stuff, you know, for the, the unbanked, definitely not a solution because you're yeah. going to need to access it. So that's yeah. not going to work. And for those that care about not being traced and transacting in cash, sorry, that's not a solution. Yeah. So you're, where is the use case for it? It's for people that are already banked and that are probably already using electronic transaction, digital transactions to some extent. So I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe is, is the Federal Reserve going to give every individual consumer uh, an account at the central bank? I highly doubt it. Yeah, I, I, um, <laughs> so I, someone's going to have to run that system um, and you're going to need a bank account somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, we did something together. Gosh, I don't know when. And I think I did it on a, a webinar for you and then for APAC, the AMPAC, like about, about consumer trends and usage. So I'm going off of memory because I memorized my, my deck. So I'm usually pretty good. But there was a, a study in 2019 about unbanked Americans. And in 2019, you know, it was 5% of the US population. And we all, it's only 5%. That, you know, seven and a half million people probably, that's a big number. And you know that it's more, it's not less from the unbanked population. And then your other key, and I, I don't, you know, I think I got in trouble once for saying this, but I wasn't saying it jo jokingly, the old school population, the people that are just, that's just the only way to say it. Like, I know this is here, it's mine. I've got it under the mattress. I've got it in the shoebox. I've got it in the safe in the basement. And of course, I use a bank too. And I don't use credit cards. I, I, you know, I don't. And the funny thing, and this is a real, I was at an airport, real story. And, you know, I'm travel a lot and I was sitting next to an individual and we were chatting and believe it or not, you know, believe it or not, the podcast came up. This was not too long ago. <laughs> and um, he was a, you know, a fairly, I didn't realize at the time, a fairly well-to-do business person 
who happened to be in the hedge funds business would never know. And we're sitting, well, probably typical, right? Sitting at the, the bar at the airport, waiting for the plane, chatting, meeting people, networking. And uh, we were talking about cash usage. And he said, I don't use credit cards at all. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're a banker? No, I'm a hedge, you know, no, no, I'm not a banker. <laughs> and he said, I would never use a debit card because then they have access to my bank account, even though I can get it back. And he said, why would I use a credit card? You know, why would I use a credit card? And I'm earning interest on my money. I'm not using, you know, and, and I said, well, what if you pay back? He said, of course I have credit cards, but he said, I almost exclusively do everything in cash. And it, it kind of, what you just said, reminded me that like, you would never think it if you met this guy and talked to him. And when you started really digging in and, and um, as always, I meet, I connect with people on LinkedIn afternoon and he is definitely who he said he was. He, a stranger, he's outward like, yeah, no way. You know, I, I, and, and so there is that population. And I think sometimes, and I'm speaking, you know, very generally here, people assume when you and I talk about this, this is folks that don't necessarily have a lot of money. And it's it sometimes actually, you know, privately held small business owners, you know, the people that have just the old school mentality of population. And, and I have a personal friend who um, owns several diners in New York. And I remember when I met him, he said, we use cash for everything. And it's not because there's any nefarious action. It's just my dad bought us up that way. And when we took over the business, he's like, he always paid everybody in cash and it would just kept that way. And he said, now I'm looking at it going, this is pretty crazy. Like, you know, we, and, 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 but, but that is also a thing is it just follows the family tradition. And he said, you know, my dad came here from another country and had a safe in the basement and we paid taxes and did all those things. And, you know, but he just said, I feel safe with the money here. A little bit crazy to, in 2022 to think that, but that still happens. Yeah. And oh, to yeah. your point, we have no idea what the real number is. And even if it was only an additional 5% of the population, it's still a lot of people. So and I think we continuously bring this up, I think, on the podcast. So people just think differently because I would say that, you know, in today's day and age, if you have consumers coming into your stores or your establishments or you're doing business with them, you want to be able to take their payment the way they want to pay you because consumers have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't happy, they will find a place to be happy. And that's what I say all the time. Like majority of my work today, it's 50-50 retail banking. We do some aerospace to all sorts. But like when I talk to retailers, the most important thing is that that customer never wants to leave you, never wants to go anywhere. So you have to really be equipped to, to take the payment the way they want to take it. And your comment about the UK and, and gosh, maybe it was Australia. You might know, cause I can't remember. There's another country that, that limited cash and immediately there was uproar. They limited, like you couldn't pay over a certain amount. And then immediately it was discriminatory. You're like, how come you'll take money from this person and that person? So to my knowledge, everywhere that's there's been any cash reduction strategy, it comes back to, it's an unfair way to do business. It, it frustrates people. It, and then I, I'm, quite certain and i'll look this up for the next podcast because i remember this i'm quite certain that there was a country that had a major issue because it became discriminatory because people said you can't tell me no and and yeah. so i think the uk i'm actually looking forward to that panel i i, I really want to hear what what said on it because i do think and i'll put my risk and my my risk hat on and, and say this is where i'm not opinionated there is a lot more work risk and cost involved than people think of digitizing from chargebacks to fraud implications to customer implications to privacy concerns. And I say this all the time, a digital risk footprint. Every time you add a digital layer, you increase that digital risk footprint. 
So as a merchant, there's a lot of things behind the scenes and you need to, and I'm not suggesting you don't do these things. You need to be able to take the, the gamut, but it isn't as simple like, oh, this is much easier than cash because now I don't have to deal with getting the money to the bank. No, uh, there's a lot <laughs> more behind the scenes, infrastructure, technology wise, that really happens. And so the balance has to be there. And I, you know, I don't think we as an industry talk enough about the, the, the cost of, of fraud and mitigation of a cyber incident and what happens the more digital payments, the more data I collect, the more risk I assume. So there's that balancing act too. It's not that simple. I mean, I, yeah. I wish it was just no, simple. Uh, it, no, it's, it's not. And to your point about turning people away as a, as a business, you don't, you definitely don't want to do that. And, and, you know, if somebody wants to spend money, you want to take it and it leaves a bad taste in, in people's mouths. I mean, just think about the, the number of times it's almost like a personal offense. Right. And I don't care if it's, if it's cash or, a anything uh, like i'll go to the dunkin donuts down the street and i've got my qr code from dunkin donuts and i'll stick it out the window for them to scan it and then at least once a week they're like oh yeah no that that my scanner's not working and i'm like well that's how i pay I mean, are you gonna take and they're like no I'm like well now i gotta like find a credit card i gotta find cash i don't know where any of that is this is on my phone you know if the person has like an attitude about it then it's like a, a very negative like thing like yeah. you're not going to take my payment and yeah. so it's, this, it's very it's the same maybe even stronger with cash uh yeah. you know if, if you're not going to accept cash and you know it's good and it's not like there's a system failure it's like you can but easily you just, just take what it what you just said is, is exactly <laughs> what i went was trying to get to is the technology behind it has to work and it adds a layer of complexity and if you don't have the option to take cash you have eliminated the sale so i was actually right right by you not too long ago for a meeting and i was in a starbucks and i'm not a big starbucks guy. i love coffee but but we were in starbucks and i actually went inside because there was no drive-through um and i was just outside of dc I was online. The line was really long. And I was getting like, what the hell is going on? Sorry to say it like that, but like, this is crazy. Like their registers were down and they could only take cash. I was the only person in the building that had cash for some crazy reason, probably because, you know, and a lot of the people were walking out frustrated. They, and this, and there was a guy who was standing there and he, I don't know if he was a construction worker or, you know, what, what he was doing, but he had a big order for a whole bunch of people. And he's like, no, I, I, I got to bring coffee back. He's like, I, I can't not do this. <laughs> so I said, do you have the Starbucks app? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you could just load money on it and try that. And the guy was like, no, our computers are completely down. We can only take cash. I said to the guy, how much is the order? And he's like, well, it's not, you know, it doesn't matter. They're not going to take it. So I paid for his order and he sent me, Venmo me the money right there. <laughs> and I said, man, and he's like, I'll think. And I'm like, no, it's no big deal. This would never happen. But the craziest thing of all is, Everybody walked out except for this guy. And although it sounds silly, like you're going to a job site, it's your day to bring the coffee. You know, this guy's going like, I'm not, I got up the coffee. Like this is not going to be pleasant. It's five, you know, it's whatever, six, whatever the time they open. And all I went back to is the exact thing that you just said is what if it was the, the week that Starbucks said, we don't take cash. They're a business. Like they, they can't do anything. My other story was, you know, I was uh, across the street from our office. There's a Shake Shack. And I went in and uh, ordered a cheeseburger. And the manager, it was definitely the manager, told me I'm the manager. And he said, our, our credit card system's down. If you don't have cash, lunch is on us. And he and I said, so how many people have you given lunch to? And he said, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, well, you know, and, 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 and he said, but it's not your problem. And he said, I'm the manager of the store. And he said, I'm going to guess you work pretty close because, you know, and I said, yeah, I work on the street. He said, so. 
I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be too happy if I told you that I couldn't give you the food. And, and the funny thing is, yes, that was the right thing. But again, you're in this status of the technology piece is great when it works, but when it doesn't work, you don't have an alternative. That's a real issue. And again, I'm not suggesting at all that you don't take credit cards or any of those things. I'm just saying you got to be able to take everything or you have a challenge. And I'll leave with this and turn it back over to you. You remember the day, like when you'd go into a store and they only took Visa or MasterCard, like, (laughs) and you'd be like, uh, you don't, or like, you know, forget about discover because no one took discover a hundred years ago. Very, you know, even 25 years ago, Discover and American Express were not taken over. And you'd go to some places that would only take Visa or MasterCard. Could you imagine that today? What a disruption it would be. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, I mean, to, to that point, I, you know, I've got this. We all have our routines, right? So it's like I go, I get gas. At the gas station I go to, you can, like, go on your phone, open their app and be like, oh, I'm at pump three. And it, like, authorizes the pump and everything goes through the app. It's, you know, I, you know, does it save any time? I don't know, but I find it fun. So I do it. So I, but it was one of those days where I wanted to go to like McDonald's, the gas station. I don't know why I would have gone to Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's, but I think I was going to go to McDonald's. I couldn't log into that app and the line was long. So I was like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm not going to McDonald's. So I didn't go there. And then I go to the gas station and the app wasn't working for that either and then i was going over to dunkin donuts and i had this other like this may have been the time i had the app store there it was just so frustrating by the time at the end of the day i was like i'm not going out anymore for today like this just the technology piece did not work anywhere <laughs> i i give up i'm gonna try again tomorrow but you know it's it's one of those things where i didn't even you know if i really needed something if i really needed to go to that gas station or i really yes cash is always the option where where i could do it i could just wait till the next day and it was fine but um but you you know it's nice to have the the backup so i I think it's it's interesting and and that sort of stuff it's just the the world we live in it's a a different thing and everybody's got such a short fuse now more than at least what i remember in the past i think everybody's just super stressed with with the pandemic obviously and state of the world and, and what have you everybody's got a short fuse and you don't want to be picking a fight with somebody over how they're going to pay or not taking their cash it's just it, it's like a it could be the straw that breaks the camel back you just don't want to go there i mean just but anyway all this stuff i mean tom and i have been going for a while now just talking about this stuff i mean it's these topics and so much more are what the cash industry and the payments industry more broadly really needs to to talk about in the coming the coming years and that's why we're excited to to get everybody back together so we're looking you know we're looking forward to the event at the end of february where this plus a whole lot more technical stuff on currency is is going to be talked about but we've also got the digital currency conference the end of that same week where we're going to delve into a lot of this digital digital currency topics as well with with representatives from all over the the world and the different regulators and and just global organizations that are looking at this stuff, the IMF, the World Bank, different central banks around the world, the, the Fed's going to be there to talk a little bit about their CBDC paper that just came out. So we've got a whole a whole lot of content coming up at the end of February. And as Tom said, we're going to be there live um, broadcasting. I'll leave my dog at home so he's not barking in the background. Yeah, so we're looking forward to seeing everybody in Washington at the end of February. We're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And we're going to cover all the things we're talking about. And I think, you know, if you're listening to the podcast today, reach out to one of us if you want to talk about consumer trends and you want to talk about things. So that's really the object of what we want to do is just continue to keep the, the conversation going and try to get all the 
the potential challenges out there to help solve the problems that we're all facing with. I know we talked a lot about coin shortage last time. I'm sure there'll be some conversations about coin in DC. And and, and the, the reality is we wanna we want to talk about everything uh, related to currency, cash, payments, and uh, nothing's off limits, nothing's off the record for us where we're here to talk about it. And we may not be you know, always the right people. That's why we like guests to come on. And uh, we we do try to research and get as much. So certainly looking forward to seeing everybody. We're going to be there live. You're going to see the banners, the one behind me. Yeah, uh, well, I'm pretty sure we'll have some cash news hats. It's oh, winter yeah. time, so we might even have some winter hats. Yeah, we should definitely bring the winter hats. February in D.C. could be a bit chilly. Funny story. I don't know about D.C., but here in New Jersey, the weather forecast this morning, and I by three major, like, I mean, we should expect somewhere between three and 50 inches of snow. Three and so, 50. Yeah. So um, cool. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. I, I'm pretty sure it means it's definitely going to snow. Uh, but just to be very clear, if we get 50 inches of snow, it, it'll be very interesting. If we get anything more than two feet of snow, it'd be pretty interesting. Um, and I think 1921 was the last time we got more than 50 inches of snow in the Northeast. In our <laughs> lifetimes, I think in the mid-90s, there was about 40 inches of snow that was just destroyed the whole entire Northland Northeast, was shut God. down like for weeks. So I don't know. I, I, I'll leave you with that. But what's the weather forecast in D.C.? Is this bomb yeah, cycle gonna... coming? It last I saw, it was gonna mostly miss us and intensify up near you guys. Um, yeah, we were we were supposed to get maybe like two inches overnight or something. Like nothing, just gonna like skirt us and then dump on you. Of course, I will say a couple of weeks ago, right after New Year's, when the kids were supposed to go back to school, that Sunday night, Monday, I think there was a storm that came in that was only supposed to be a few inches, and we ended up here getting about a foot. And a foot in D.C. area is is a foot it's a lot of snow um <laughs> yeah. for this area and schools are closed for the next week so all week all Ooh. week monday through friday yes I, <laughs> I would wow that's interesting i would venture to say that if it's under three feet that and happens on saturday that they would have schools open by tuesday if yeah. it's over three feet there's just nowhere yeah, to yeah, there's nowhere, that, that, yeah. there's just nowhere to stick it i mean that, that's the challenge and if you get into new york city like they dump it in the in the hudson river it's like a real big challenge so I love snow. My kids love snow, but I will tell you right now, because if there's still power, we'll have nothing to do. Sean and I will will do a special podcast in the snow. If it's over three feet, we'll have a, we'll have a snowcast. I like snowcast. it. <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. But thank, thanks everybody for listening. Please, please, please. I know I say this every time, but I still am puzzled by it. Like and subscribe. We are on YouTube, so you can watch us. I I know that most people listen to us. If you really wanted to see Sean and I, you could watch us. I mean, that's uh, I I understand if you just want to listen. We understand (laughs) that as well. And um, when you do like, subscribe, and review, it really does help the podcast. So please do that. And I know um, I tell this story at the time because I think it's so relevant. Is a lot of folks tell me they love the podcast, and then when I ask where they listen to and if they're subscribed, they don't know how to tell me. As a matter of fact, uh, just last week, someone said I listened to it on Alexa, and I said, "Oh, so you, what do you do?" I just say, "Pay the cash news podcast," and it works. And I'm like, "So you're not subscribed?" And that's still amazing that people listen. And I, nothing warms my heart more than hearing you and Sean are hilarious, or you guys are were so much funnier in person than you are. And I'm like, "Hey, what does that mean?" <laughs> but but but. But the reality here is the podcast is really for everybody out there. We hope it's useful. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Stay out of the snow or get in it, whatever you want to do. Thanks for listening to the Cash News Podcast. 
We hope you found this episode insightful. Don't forget to like and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and be sure to visit us at thecashnews.com to stay up to date with the latest on the world of cash. Thanks again for listening to the Cash News Podcast.